Welcome to Outside Game, the podcast. I am the host with the most, Keith Bullock, joined by my main man, Dom Povia. Thank you, Mr. Monday Night. And I am joined by my main man, not really, but we could be. Could be. <laughs> could be. Smush Parker. Yes, sir. NBA overseas, all-around D-League, basketball journeyman. Aspiring referee. Yes, sir. All, all of the above. He's got a clinic, a camp, mm-hmm. right? We're going to talk about all that. Smush Parker, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Keith. Thanks for having me, Tom. Yeah, yeah. Well, my first question, man, you know, um, we were talking a little before. I'm from New York, upstate a little bit, you know, grow up playing basketball all over New York, but you're from Queens. You're from New York City. Queens? Correction. Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Damn. Brooklyn. I can't do that. You went to high school in Queens. Yes, sir. That's where yes, I got it twisted. I can't. Everybody gets it twisted. I can't. No, no, no. So, like, yo, you can't do that. I understand that. You know, I almost, you <laughs> no. know, my bad. No, I but it's all good. I'm five borough thorough. Oh, you yeah. Know, I, I like yeah. to consider myself five borough thorough. I like from to Brooklyn. consider myself the same thing. I ain't even from a borough. <laughs> <laughs> you feel me? <laughs> from Brooklyn. Went to high school in Queens. Went to college in the Bronx. Did some summer school in Staten Island. You know, I lived in Manhattan and Harlem for a little bit. So, I've no. Making your, a, making your bones on West Fourth, yes you got, sir. You got yeah, as a New York Hooper man, which borough had the best hoops? Uh, I'm gonna actually gonna say I'm gonna say Manhattan. Where Manhattan, there was more um, leagues and opportunities uh, uh, growing up, you know, playing in New York City and Manhattan than there was in any other borough. Where it was um, I never I never played in the cage. I was always intimidated. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we would go down there. Well, in high school. I wasn't intimidated. You know, in high school, you're just going to go at it. Mm-hmm. could never get on the court because we wouldn't get down there fast enough. Yep. Um, but then opportunities I had when I was in college and might come home for the summer, I was a football player, still played basketball. I just – it's like, nah, cash is too good. <laughs> <laughs> cash is too good. Yeah. You know, I don't want to just be rebounding and, and throwing outlet passes, you know what I'm saying? So how did that mold your – how did that mold your game as you took it from high school to college to the levels you played in. Well, the one thing about West Fourth Street is the, uh, you know, world famous West Fourth yes. Street. You know, everywhere. Cage. Yeah, every the best players in New York City, whether you're in Queens, you know, Brooklyn, Staten Island, the Bronx, Harlem, you always all the best players traveled down to West Fourth Street to play. So we had the, the competition level was always high. Right. So if you were able to play in those games, you were getting better because you was playing against the best from. Brooklyn, the best from Queens, the best from Staten Island, the Bronx, Harlem, wherever you was playing against the best. Right. When um when you when you took your game outside of New York and, you know, obviously you went to Idaho State, mm-hmm. but not even before, you know, the league and everything, where are some other um cats that you played that were from that had some hoop games that surprised you being from New York? Because mm-hmm. I know as a young cat being from New York, you're thinking Ain't nobody hooping like us. No, for uh, I still think like that. <laughs> right, for sure. But I was I was actually surprised at how how athletic guys were from Florida. Oh yeah. You no, know, guys from the South are super athletic. Right. Um, I don't know what what's in the food. I don't know <laughs> what's in the training, but they are athletically long, tall, and just can jump out of the sky. You know, here in New York, we. Uh, we uh, develop different kind of skills, you know, dribbling, ball handling, playmaking, you know, being able to see the floor. But, um, you know, down south guys, they're athletes. Right. To athletes. Right. And um, that's what uh, surprised me the most, you know, traveling outside of New York City. Be- before we get, let's go back to New York City for a little okay. bit. Who are some of the better players that you play with uh, in the cage, mm-hmm. with or against? Uh, that's interesting. Uh, um no, when I was growing up and playing basketball, it wasn't about your name. It right. was about your game. Right. You no, know, that was the era I grew up in. Yeah. You no, know, uh, no one cared about you know if your name was, you know, uh, headache. You know, you know Tim Giddens, headache. Right. Uh, no one knew. Uh, no one cared if your name was Speedy. Uh, no, 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 James Williams. All right. The older, the, the original, <laughs> oh, the original, go, above the rim. Go. Speedy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Uh. So I didn't. I honestly, I played against a lot of guys. Uh, growing up, but I didn't know any of their names, and I didn't, I didn't care to know. It was just all right. about, you know, going out there, playing against the competition, playing against good guys, and then, you know, showing these guys that you could play ball at, you know, at their, at their level. Right. So, look, man. Um, 
I played AAU basketball. We had a we had a local team that we traveled playing in the tri-state. We play in tournaments in, you know, Kingsbridge and the Bronx. We go to Queen, different gyms and whatnot. And, you know, sometimes we held our own. We had a guy on our team, um, Rashmel Jones, who mm-hmm. went to Trinity Catholic in um, Connecticut, ended up going to UConn. Um, you know, so we played AAU together since eighth grade, mm-hmm. ninth grade, and he was doing some things on the basketball court in ninth grade that I didn't, I, I've never done in my life to this point. You know what I'm saying? So right then, I knew that um, I wasn't gonna be no professional basketball player. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Um, what What was it that you did when you were young, man, to kind of Build your skills, and when was it that you made the decision? Like, look, this is gonna be my sport, and I'm gonna get go to college, and I'm gonna start my journey with basketball. Well, my my story is kind of unique, uh, wherein I, I didn't start playing organized league basketball until I was 13, but I've been playing basketball my entire life. Right. Um, and I say that to say a lot of guys say that they're streetball players because they play in tournaments and they play and one mixtape tours, and I'm a streetball player. But I'm a actual I'm a product of street ball. Like I played street ball my entire life in the parks, Tillery Park in Brooklyn, West Fourth Street here in Manhattan, uh, various other parks in you know Brooklyn and Harlem and Queens and all of that stuff. I'm a product of the streets, basketball in the streets, and I you know when you play in the streets, there's no organized, there's no coaches saying okay you're 13 year old you're you're 13 years old so you have to play with the 13 year old. Year olds, <laughs> or you're 18, so you have to play with the 18 year old. No, it's whoever's here. That's who you're playing against. So I grew up playing against guys older than me. Right. So I was always playing against guys who are bigger, stronger, physically uh, bigger than me, and might have had more skills that, uh, uh, you know, than right. me at the time. But playing against them at such a young age developed me as a player. So that by the time I got to 13 and I played in my first. Uh, organized league game. I was just so much better than my, right. the thirteen year olds I was playing against. It was, it was uh, <laughs> it was no competition because right. I was used to playing against men, grown yeah. eighteen year olds, no, nineteen, not, twenty year olds. Sure. So I knew then that I, you know, I, I actually had a, a shot at being really, 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 really good. So the my question, you know, the whole and one mixtape. You you brought that up, the mixtape era. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I came up in the mixtape era. You know, with the hot sauce. That's mm-hmm. Professor, Half Man, Half mm-hmm. Amazing, all those cats. Those are street ballers, yes, true yes. street ballers. How come how how come their game wasn't maybe able to translate to go on and play that polished game that you have to play in, in college and the NBA? Because I played on the court with those guys at charity events, mm-hmm. and I've just sat there watching them play. And Listen, I have all respect for those guys. I know those guys, some of those guys personally. I played against them here in New York City. I even grew up, you know, playing uh, with uh, a couple of them in uh, basketball tournaments. Um, they're streetball entertainers. Got you. Got Th- you. That's not basketball. Got you. You know, I, and I, I'm not knocking no, anything. No, no, no. You know, I, I, I know what you're saying. You know, that's not basketball. You don't see that kind of basketball in college. Right. You don't see the, that kind of basketball. Well, you might see it now in the NBA. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but. They're entertainers. Right. They play for the crowd. They play for the oohs and the eyes. Right. You know, and that's different than um, a basketball player who actually is, you know, basketball is a chess game. Right. Or it was a chess game. You know, it, it's all about the mind and how you, you know, play out the four, four quarters. How, you know, it's about time and possessions. It's about X's and O's, plays, and not just dribbling the ball between your legs eight or nine times and <laughs> right. wrapping it around your back in somebody's head. <laughs> yeah. you know, like, Underneath your shirt. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, I remember who was it? Skit to my Lou mm-hmm. made the league. Yeah. Could, could he it went tra- to Fresno. Right. Could it translate? Could it translate? If guys, I mean, and what what would prevent guys from saying, you know what, this is fun, this is nice, I like the reception I get out here in a park, but man, I want to be in the league. No, one thing I will say, Kyrie wouldn't be Kyrie if he didn't know the basics of the game. Right. If he didn't know the fundamentals of the game. Right. He's not out there just, you know, dribbling between his legs eight or nine times and staying in one position, you know, and dancing with the basketball (laughs) and staying, not going anywhere with the ball. He does it so that he gets somewhere. Right. It's you know um, he 
you could tell he he learned the fundamentals first. How to you know dribble the ball with one hand and 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 control it, right. as opposed to just throwing the ball in between your legs and you're losing it eight or nine times. No, he actually learned the fundamentals so that he could you know start doing you know the fancy stuff. Right. You no, know, unfortunately, kids see what Kyrie is doing and don't know the work he put in to, to get there. Now, you know they're just trying to do his moves and not know why he's doing his moves. Right. So how was it different, um, you know, when you went to Idaho, when you went to Idaho, mm -hmm. Southern, Southern Idaho, my bad. For, CSI. For thorough, thorough, what was it? Fireborough Thorough. Fireborough Thorough heading out to Idaho. Yeah, <laughs> Idaho. Let's talk about the culture shock. How oh, was that? Man. Yeah. It was. Oh, and I want to say before that, like, you know, I want to talk about the culture shock because mm -hmm. what I do notice is a lot of our New York City hoopers mm -hmm. might go somewhere, you know, to Idaho or Texas or somewhere totally different than, you know, their thought of maybe Kentucky or Georgetown or whatever it is. Or even and it's, sticking it's around with because John's and all those <laughs> Because of grades or whatever yeah. the situation is and then gets discouraged from finishing out and following their dream. What kept you on that track? Well, well, I decided to go out to Idaho because I wanted a change. Right. I knew it was going to be different than New York City, so that's what, you know, prompted me to go. Right. Um, when I got there, um, I, I was already expecting expecting a new experience. I didn't know what to expect because I had, you know, never really been outside of New York City. Right. But I knew it was going to be different. And a culture shock it was. <laughs> Idaho. <laughs> Idaho. I ain't even ever been to Idaho. <laughs> Idaho. It was, but it was a, a great experience. Right. You know, um, one, uh, one that I'll never forget. Um, true story, by the way. I actually met people, you know, walking through the mall. I actually met people who hadn't ever seen a black person. Oh, no, I believe that. In their life. I believe that, bro. I believe I've, I've been to some parts of, of uh, middle America. I've been... Uh, uh, yeah, that, that um, <laughs> yeah, nah, that's that's not true. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I I know that experience. No, but CSI, I mean, like I said, it was a, a great experience. The the people there are, are, I will not tell you that they're so passionate about their basketball. Uh, that they uh they supported that the the program there so good. Right. So well. So what prompted the the switch to Fordham? Uh. So we really, we really want to go down this. Yeah, uh, we here. It's an like outside game. You really want to go down. outside game? Uh, no, I actually. What brought me to Fordham is different than why I decided to go to Fordham. Um, I actually got, you know, kicked off my CSI team for mm -hmm. being the best player on the team. How's that work? Um, like I said, I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> I actually, if you if you wanted me to go down this line, but I got kicked off the team because at the time this was back in. Uh, um, in the in the nineties, you remember the the Tupac Biggie you know, yeah, thing yeah. that was that was East West right right was um you know prevalent then and on my team there was about nine guys from California oh. and I was the only guy from New York City and um, I'm just gonna say there was a lot of jealousy okay um, um, a lot of envy and things like that and, and where are they now? <laughs> <laughs> Damn, so that East Coast, West Coast slide really came to college like that? I mean, uh, yeah, as far as, you know, the West Coast, you know, and the East Coast rivalry and, you know, mm -hmm. just that just that I'm better, we, we, we're the better coast. No, I'm the better coast. And then I'm the only one out there and I'm the best player on the team. Right. You know, at the time. You're not the letting coach, them get their shine. <laughs> no, at the time. I'm not going to shout, I'm not going to tell, you know, shout yeah, the coach's name out. But the coach was like, you know what, it would be better for the team if I, one player, wasn't involved on the team as as opposed to him um, getting rid of nine guys and now that's his program. Wow. You know, so it was just like So how yeah. did that shape you moving forward, man? Like what 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 did that what did that do to you ment mentally? Well it definitely um you know just added fuel to the fire. You know, growing up here in New York City also, you know, it's very competitive. If you know, this is the city only the strong survive. Yeah. You know, and I grew up in the streets, so I had I had the mentality that I was not gonna lose. Right, we all have New yeah, York mentality. I was not gonna lose. There was nobody I was gonna tell me I couldn't do this or I wasn't good enough. And I actually really did have people, more people here in New York, think that thinking that I couldn't make the NBA. And you know, and it was it was them, it was those naysayers that actually you know gave me the fuel to make it to the to the places I made it to. 
I might not be a smooch parker today if there wasn't if there if, if there was more people in my corner than there was that wasn't. So when you got back home and you did that year at Fordham, you know, mm-hmm. you did your thing is was those naysayers the ones that kind of was like, man, you know what? I'm going to jump to the NBA right now or was it you did you would you need some bread or cuz my whole thing man being a football player um that went through the NCAA mm-hmm. We got to, even if I redshirted, which, mm-hmm. you know, so I was to school four and a half years, you know. Um, but if you don't redshirt, you have to be in school for three years. Like, yeah. you have to play for three years. And a lot of hoopers now, uh, want, well, a lot of cats was just jumping back in those days. They was going from, you know, high school to college and out of the league in three years. Yeah. Um, and that's not really conducive for <laughs> a way of life. But... What do you think, well, for yourself, you obviously can only speak for yourself, mm-hmm. what um, made you make that jump so soon without, um, you know, trying for them one more year? Well, it's, it's, un- it's unfortunate that, um, you know, more kids in my position or even in my communities don't think uh, more highly of education. Right. Um, That's a great school. You had an opportunity. There. Yeah. No, no, Fordham is, you know, a great, you know, um, educational school. Right. Very, you know, you have to be intelligent to get, it, to right. get into that school. Um, and not that um, I didn't have the intelligence or the uh, book savvy or the smarts to get by, but I was I was born with the basketball. Right. You know, my mom played, my dad played, so I was always around the game. And my entire life, I was like, I'm making it to the NBA. Right. That was my mindset. I'm making it to the NBA by any means necessary. Um, uh, so when I had the opportunity to go to the NBA. I didn't see anything else. I, I, you know, my mindset was I can, you know, physically I'm not going to have this, you know, body. I'm not going to be able to be able to run as fast, jump as high, you know, as I am now. So I could always go back to school. Right. I can even take classes, you know, online while I'm in the NBA. So why, you know, pass up this opportunity when I have, that I have before me when I can, you know, do education at any part of my life. Education aside, from a professional standpoint, would another year at Fordham, Helped you out in the in the draft. It could have, yeah. And uh, you know, you never know. It, it you know, you you hear players all the time. You know, it could help and it could hurt them. Right. You know, the more the more years you play in college, more wear it, on your the, body. Yeah. The more, but it also gives the uh, scouts more time to critique your game and see your weaknesses. That's like um, the same thing with uh, Felipe Lopez. Mm-hmm. Yo, like he's class uh, that came out in '95. I think he was '94, but Yo, you knew who Felipe Lopez was like for forever, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And then he went to St. John's. He had that good year. He should have bounced after that. Mm-hmm. He would have been Lotto top five, but he wanted to come back. And this is a time where you can see it backfire. Um, obviously, Felipe still got drafted in the the first round, but he spent a lot of extra time in St. John's, showing loyalty to a program that. Ain't necessarily gonna look a program and university that definitely doesn't have any love for you. But as young kids, we don't see that. You know what I mean? We see our vision, we see what we want to do, we see our goals. And you know, regardless, like Smush is saying, hindsight, you know, 2020, it could have helped and it, it may not have helped. And you know, that's just part of an individual's journey. So I definitely understand uh when you when you speak to that because man i saw that that almost that that hurt me yeah. you know what i'm yeah. saying yeah. um but you know you, you made it you made it to the league you got there what was um what was it like when you first got there you went as a free agent what is free agent life like as an nba player i know it's like as an nfl player because i've seen it mm-hmm. but as an nba player what's the difference from when you were a free agent and then when you crack that lineup and started to get some respect and notoriety around the league. Well, you know what? I don't never think I cracked that lineup. That's how <laughs> I, mean, I that's how I feel. I, I don't you. think I've ever cracked that lineup. Never had um a sense of stability in the league. Word. Never had that four that four or five year contract, multi million dollar contract. So I always felt like I, I had to work. Word. I always felt like I was going in to work yep. to keep a job. Yep. Um so it, for me, it was always a grind, the grind, the grind. I'm, I'm coming to work today to save my job. How old were you when you got in the league? 21. Man, 21. so as a 21-year-old, as a, as a uh, the mental, the mm-hmm. physical, 
the 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 off the field stuff, getting your life together as a young man. Because at twenty one, you're still a, you're still a young. We think we're men because yeah. we can legally drink, mm-hmm. but at twenty one, man. I was a I was a, fresh, a junior in college. Well, though. I mean, the difference is you already talked about. It. You have four and a half years of college coming into your league too, and you know he bounced around all literally all around the country. Yeah, to yeah. do so. So talk yeah. about that lack of stability. It's not just you know stability in the league. Like your whole journey to My get to the journey. league, yeah. <laughs> it kind of probably prepared you for that. Cause and were you by yourself during that journey? Oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah. That's uh, crazy. Just to backtrack a little bit, uh, no, I did one year of high school basketball. Oh. I um, I started high school as a 10th grader. My junior high school had a ninth grade, so I entered uh, my high school as a 10th grader. You know, I went to uh, Washington Irving right. for art, you know, because mm-hmm. I, I like to draw. So I entered, I got into Washington Irving for art. Um, when I was there, the varsity coach had about eight or nine varsity players who were seniors at the time. And he, w- he told me, he was like, listen, you might be, you're good enough to play varsity, but we have nine seniors who are trying to, you know, make it to college. You're probably not going to get a lot of playing time. So he told me to play JV. Play JV. Average 35 on the <laughs> JV team. Um, and then I um, I transferred schools to Queens, you know, uh, Newtown High School, which was a, you know, a better basketball program, you know, for public schools. I registered in my 11th grade, 11th grade year, played my senior year there, one year as a varsity player. Went to college in Southern Idaho, one year. Played there one season. Went to Fordham. Played there one year. Um, and then I went on to play six years in the NBA and ten years overseas. So by the time I got to the NBA, I was, you know. Still raw. Yeah, I was. Who's who's helping you make those decisions? Um, I don't know if you guys know him. He passed away. but And there's no relation to me. A guy by the name of Rodney Parker. Okay. Uh, okay. They made a movie after him. A, um, Heaven is a playground. Oh yeah, yeah okay, yeah. yeah. You know, it's about his life. Right. You know, he's helped a thousand basketball players get to the college level here in New York City and and around the world. And um, a lot of guys, you know, Reggie Miller being one big name, Bernard King, uh, make it to the NBA. Um, he's helped them along their journeys. You know, and he he met me when I was sixteen at playing at West Fourth Street, and the day I met him. Uh, was the day that he took me under his wing, and he 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 expanded my game here locally in New York City. So I was he he uh, he found me playing at West Fourth Street. Right. Then he was like, you know what? I know some guys who are playing up in Harlem. I want you to come up to Harlem and play here. So I would follow him up to Harlem, play against those guys, destroy those guys. He's like, you know what? There's another gym over in this this uh, in the Bronx. I want you to come. There's some players over here, and he he took me from West Fourth Street, and then branched me out to playing against all these other guys in these other parks and these other gyms and all this stuff. And um, he he laid out a, a path for me to follow. You know, he told me, he helped me to Newtown. He helped me to CSI. He uh, put me on, a, he introduced me to uh, Coach Mike Brown, who then brought me to uh, Fordham University. And then, you know, he put me on that path to the NBA. And every step of the way, I just I just had to show up and play basketball. And that's all I did. What made you trust him? Like, I was, you know, because I know coming, you know, what uh, environments mm-hmm. we come from, it's hard to trust people, you know, with anything. What made you trust him to know that, yo, he, he's going to do right by me? Well, I just wanted to play basketball. I if he was leading me to play basketball, I was all for it. You know, he wasn't, you know, trying to get me to his house or anything. He wasn't right. trying to get me to, um, you know, travel out of state. Right. You know, he was just, listen, I you know there's some games – in the Bronx, you know, there's some guys here, you know, tra- come to the Bronx and play against these guys. All right, I go to the Bronx, play against those guys, watch those guys. He's like, okay, you know, I got an NBA workout, you know. Um, uh, forget his name, uh, uh, Coach Arnie. I don't know, he used to uh, have NBA uh, NBA practices and workouts at, um, um, what college is that? What's, what, what's uh, that? Over here in Manhattan, uh, Midtown Manhattan, right, right down the street from, um, for them, for them, uh, for uh, them. Manhattan, Manhattan College, maybe. Was it? No, it wasn't Manhattan. Mm-hmm. No, but it, every <laughs> summer, you know, he brought me to M- So I'm playing against NBA guys, NBA pro levels as a high school player. Right. So that's what, you know, he knew guys that I needed to know or I was, I you know, I, that was going to get me to the to the uh, path that I needed to go. So that's what helped me to uh, develop a trust in him. So for, for the person listening that might have some skepticism about these guys, you know, finding these inner city mm-hmm. 
uh, youth and then kind of steering their careers and what's in it for them or are they being manipulative or, or using these guys? Um, it, it seems like you have a very positive experience. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there are some negative experiences yeah, out there. Of course. Um, you know, how do you kind of dismiss and, and say, you know, this this guy's got a track record. He, he did me right, right? It's, um, it wasn't exploited. It wasn't mm -hmm. anything like that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, this is a good guy. Yeah, definitely a good guy. Um, that definitely wasn't exploited. Right. Um, I mean, you hear he, about the AU stories and steering crazy. guys towards sneakers. What is your thought on that, man? Let me, yeah, let me change gears a little <laughs> bit uh, with the whole AAU. Like, um, like these kids, like their kids in the NBA now, and now it's the whole you see the workload management. Mm -hmm. And then um, I think it was Earl Watkins came out and said, you know, it's not the NBA schedule, it's the vigorous AAU schedule that they play. Mm -hmm. um, whereas, like, yo, in the 90s when we're playing ball, yeah, if, you, if you're if on an AAU team, you play AAU spring, summer, you chill, then you got your regular hoop season. You didn't mm -hmm. have to play on the AAU team to be on the basketball, the school basketball team. But now what they're doing, I don't know if you're familiar, the school basketball team is creating AAU teams that the wow. players have to play on in the spring, in the summer, in order to make the varsity team, which is take, which is making these kids one-sport athletes. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And, look, if you're 6'5", at 16, you probably are a hooper. You know what I mean? But yeah. there are a lot of kids that are just 5'10", 5'11", 6'1", 6'2", could be 6'5", and have decent basketball skills, but you probably going to university to study calculus or some shit like that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So what are, your, what are your thoughts on how the AAU – really exploits the young kids today uh you know it's funny i didn't i wasn't much into the aau circuit when i was younger i didn't know much about it and i still don't know much about it now right i hear stories about how they're exploiting you know players and i think it's i, I think it, it's it's twofold i think you know um aau teams are using these athletes you know to to make money right for sure you know, already but at the same time, it's giving kids a platform to showcase what they can do. Yeah. You know, so it's either you worry about, you know, these AAU teams exploiting these these young kids and not play, but then you never get seen. Right. As a player, like, you know, when I was growing up, it, it was it was all about, um, um, you know, being able to play in the, in the games that, you know, these coaches, coaches were going to be at. Like that, for me, that's what I wanted to do. Right. That's what I needed. If if there was gonna be scouts there, I needed to be at that game. So, I wasn't worried about okay, this uh this uh the Long Island Panthers exploiting me because they they need a bigger program you than Riverside. I was also you know benefiting from. Oh, you need that. Yeah. So I'm not. I'm not. It's 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 twofold. Like you know these AAU programs want these kids so that they can you know make money or right. be a big program with for for uh, make a name for themselves, but. As a player, I'm like, okay, if the bigger the program is, the the bigger stage I'll be able to, you know, showcase my my skills. Right. That makes sense, man. That makes sense. And shoot, back then it, it wasn't, it, you know, it definitely wasn't as as vigorous. Um, you know, when you got into the NBA, mm -hmm. you said you like moved around a lot, but you know, when you finally, you know, maybe got to a point with a little bit of comfortability, is who in the league that you know? You, an older guy, you got there at 21, mm -hmm. that kind of dropped some knowledge on you that you listened to, and maybe who in the league, an older guy, dropped some knowledge on you that you kind of wish you listened to that you think may have could have helped you out a little bit as you got older within your career? Um, well, there's a – I was a sponge. Ah, know? nice. I was a sponge um, for the game. Like, growing up, I, I, I always watched – basketball right but when i say watch i was watching to learn who were some of the players you watched that you might have wanted to mold your game after if my any? dad my dad word my that's dad dope. my dad uh he, he's the biggest influence on my game um had the biggest influence on my game and why i am who i am and you know develop the skills that i developed it's because he played basketball um he didn't play above a high school level but he played you know in the yeah. streets you know with his friends, you know, he had a very high basketball IQ. I just studied how he thought the game, you know. But being in the, in the streets and watching those street games, you know, there were a lot of, you know, being in New York City, there's a lot of good players 
in New York City that don't make it to the NBA or, you know, play in college because of discipline or opportunities. So I wasn't watching low-level basketball. So there was a lot to learn. Um, but I say that to say I, when I got to the NBA, um, guys like, you know, the veterans on my team, <laughs> we had a very young team. I think we were the youngest uh, in the league that year. But um, guys like Ricky Davis, mm -hmm. you know, I mean – Tricky rookie. He, he he's a, he, he he's a, he's he's a little out there, but you know he he took me under his wing. Yeah, uh, he's a respectable player yeah. for sure. Um, the, we had two older veterans on our team, uh, Bimbo Coles, yeah, and Tyrone Hill, yeah. But it wasn't until I got my second year in the NBA where I got around around true veterans, Detroit Pistons. They just won the uh, NBA championship the year before. Uh, you know, the Chauncey uh, Billups, the Lindsey Hunters, the Rasheed Wallaces, the Tayshawn Princes, the Rip Hamiltons, being in that environment, Coach Larry Brown. That's right. no, top to bottom, that's yeah. no nonsense. Right? Yeah, no nonsense. I mean, it was just a lot of a wealth of knowledge on that team. That's interesting, man. And, uh, you know, as, let me interrupt real quick because when I got to the league, um, <clears throat> I got drafted to the Tennessee Titans. Right after they lost the Super Bowl by a yard, you mm -hmm. know, the Music City Miracle, yeah. all that. So when I got there, first-round draft pick, you know, I, I didn't start. You know, it wasn't like, oh, first-rounder, oh, you, you're starting right away. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't start. I didn't start for three years. You know what I mean? I'm. They had me in Tennessee thinking I'm a bust, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But I know I could play. But to your point, man, you know, those veterans that I had, I had the Eddie George, the Steve Magnair, Bruce Matthews, Frank Wachek, some other guys that people probably don't even know that mm -hmm. play those roles within uh, a locker room on championship teams that kind of, you know, schooled me on how to carry myself um, for practice, how to yeah. carry myself outside the building, mm -hmm. how to, you know, maybe take care of my, the little bit of money I had got so far, you know what I mean? basically teaching me how to come from college and become a young man that you're going to have to be as you maneuver through life from here on out. Yes, sir. So, yeah, yeah for sure. That's yeah. um, And just just being in an environment, again, like I said, they had just won an NBA championship. So, the, you know, of course, the energy and the, the positivity in that group, in that locker room, in that organization was, you know, was pretty dope. But being around those savvy veterans, you know, I also had Derek Coleman on the team. Wow. You no, know, uh, I said Rasheed Wallace, Sarah Ben Juice. Wallace. <laughs> yeah. You no, know, Darwin Ham. Like, yeah. they, these are. That's eight, the real nine, NBA. 10, like, yeah, 11, that's 12 like, years in yeah, the league. Yeah, for sure. And that's not, that's not common too much anymore. No, it's, that's not common too uh, much anymore. I don't, don't want to get in trouble. I don't want to talk about the game now. No, 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 no. No, but it's, that's it's definitely but, different. You now. know, and, and I will, because I'm a basketball fan. And I can also see it from the football locker room. When mm. they changed the CBA, the new collective bargaining agreement, um, I was would have been going into year 12, and we thought there was going to be more money for veterans. What they did was they capped it, and they, it's like, look, we can get three players mm. in camp for the cost that it would have Keith Bullock on our team. And if he's not one – if one of these three – are gonna play special teams at least, and we can, you know, coach them up. The so politics of the game, yeah, a lot man. Of, a lot of people don't know about. That. Yeah, that's of course, the other they, side of the game. That's what I always say, man. And it's just like in the NBA, because my man Melo, some Syracuse guys, going mm -hmm. through it now. The league has. Uh, most players aren't done with the league. The league will always let you know when they're done with you. Of course, you know what of I'm course, saying. And and it's and it's kind of unfortunate, but you know it, it's just how the game works. Yes, sir. That's the politics. A lot's been talked about your NBA career, but I want to talk about sort of your life and the longevity of your overall career. Okay. Uh, and you've kind of been all over. Uh, what are some of the more memorable overseas? I uh, read about the, was it the, the fireworks in Greece? Yeah, <laughs> yeah you've been yeah. everywhere, so you've been man. In Mongolia. From Mongolia yeah. to Greece. And this to... team has enabled you to experience the world, literally. Yes, and, yes. and what are some of the more memorable moments and even some of the lessons you might have learned from, you know, being a foreigner? Uh, what is wait? And I was like, what are some things through basketball, bring it all the way f to right now that have you learned about yourself through all these challenges, uh, challenges and travels? Well, basketball has definitely been a, a, a portal to the world for me. Like it's given me, it's opened doors that I've never even thought um, possible. Never, I've walked on earth that I didn't even know about growing up. Um, so I've definitely been blessed in that in in that way uh, to just explore, and um, 
when I decided to, you know, be, you know, I left the NBA. You know, I decided right. to, you know, not fight, you know, with that anymore. Were you bitter with the NBA for when you left? I'm not gonna say bitter. A lot I'm of gonna, I'm gonna say I'm gonna I, gonna say, I say bitter because a lot I feel like a lot of former football players when they leave the uh, NFL and usually it's not on our terms, they be bitter for like a couple years, bitter, mad at it, whatever it is. It's like an old girlfriend that dumped you. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? You yes. just you just described it. You got dumped <laughs> for three younger, cheaper guys. Yeah, yeah you know yeah, what I'm saying? Um, and give them the finger it's... walking away. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, getting to the NBA was a, a different experience once I get got there from, you know, the NBA. I thought was the NBA growing up. But to get back to the uh, overseas, I, I, I experienced a lot, a lot of different cultures. That a, a lot of different peoples definitely opened my eyes, brought in my, my, my mental uh, capacity and thoughts on, you know, views on the world and just people in general. A um, lot of experiences that I've experienced that I, I cherish. Um, one, I'm going to say memory. Uh, like you said, you brought up the fireworks. I was uh, playing in a, a Greek Cup championship game. And, um, you know, I've never played in a country where the fans were so passionate about their sports other than Greece. Like these Greek fans, they will burn a city down whether you win or lose. Um, But they had to separate, you know, each team's fans because they would would fight the whole game. Um, So I'm bringing the ball up um, in the backcourt, and I see a flare shoot across my head from one side of the arena to the other. And then a whole riot, you know, broke out, and they paused the game for about two and a half hours. They emptied, emptied the arena. We finished the game in an empty arena. (laughs) <laughs> Yo, that's crazy. Like you're from Brooklyn, where mm-hmm. it's wild, wild. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure you see some no, wild. I've seen. Listen, there's no way I'm yeah. that scares me. Right, yeah, right. You go over there, it's a yeah. little. You, yeah, I feel you. I've, I've been in countries where you know we've had to be. Uh, we we've had to go to bed early because of bomb threats. Wow. Uh, I was in Lebanon. You know, um, when I was just walking down the street, just seeing half half buildings blown to pieces. You know, it's, I, I stayed in hotel rooms where they had bullet holes in the in the in the walls. Wow. You know, so I've 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 been I've been places. That's crazy, man. Like, and you know, in the beginning, man, I called you a journeyman because when I started my career, I remember being at practice telling my teammate, man, when it's all said and done, I'd love to be a journeyman. But within football, that means you go to three different teams mm-hmm. within the country. Like, you're a true traveled. You're a worldly journeyman, and now you're all the way back here. 2019, mm-hmm. you're embarking on your new career mm-hmm. of going into being a referee within the NBA, which not many former NBA players have done that, man. What That's kind right. of, you know, if you could, what, what, what sparked that? You know, obviously you still love the game. You still want to be around it. And what are, you, what are your goals for that in the long run? Okay, the seeds for that were planted way long ago when I was about – 13 years old. I, I told you I played in my first uh, organized basketball league when I was 13. Um, I played in Carmine Recreational Center. Uh, they changed it to, you know, some something Diablo Center. Uh, but it will always be Carmine to me. Right. Um, but there was a, um, a sports organizer, uh, organizer by the name of Ray Pagan who passed away recently. But uh, he ran a league every Saturday and Sunday mornings. And before my 13-year-old league, he paid me to come referee the eight, nine, ten-year-old games before my games. So I was refereeing at 13, 14, 15 years old, not knowing that those were the seeds that were going to be planted for, uh. you know, for today. Um, I never went my career thinking about I going to be a referee when I retire. You know, I just thought I was going to play basketball forever. Right, uh, <laughs> as we all do. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't until you know I was 34. You know my basketball opportunities started to, you know, decline and, you know, I started to feel my body yeah. start to... By the time. Yeah. Uh, my body started to, you know, react to certain things differently, heal slower, and I was like, you know, I started to give real thought to what's life going to look like after basketball for me. Right. Because uh, at the time, I was only 34, 35 years old, and I'm thinking, okay, when I retire from basketball, what am I going to do for the next 35 years of my life? Um, so I started to, you know, play know certain uh, certain things in my head do I want to be a coach no I don't have the patience to be a coach <laughs> I don't have you know dealing with all these different personalities and egos and nope that's not me I don't want to do I want to be a trainer eh. right you gotta uh, go back to school for that yeah but I did I do I do want to be a uh, skills development you know coach whether at the college level or the NBA level um, I do you know have a lot of you know 
wealth of knowledge up here, you know, as far as, you know, moves and things like that and techniques that I, I feel like I can I can be effective at teaching. And you've already started on that path. Yeah, well. yes, yeah. You know, with my uh, my free basketball camps and clinics, I do. Uh, when do you hold those and where are they at? Um, well, I, I hold them through. I partner with the Boys and Girls Club. And wherever they f- uh, f- see a need or feel a need for, you know, a, a celebrity influencer to come in and kind of just be like a, a mentor to for some sure. of the kids, that's where I'll go. You know, I've done about 13 in the past year. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm I'm very grateful for the partnership that I have with the Boys and Girls Club. They've uh, opened their doors for me, and I've been able to use basketball as a platform to give back to the, you know, get back into these communities and be a big brother type. Um, but you know, I was like I said, I was going down the line of what I wanted to do, and I was like, hmm, refereeing. I have a passion for that, and I was like, and I I went into the NBA offices while I was still playing. And I told them that I was interested in becoming an NBA official, and they told me, "Well, this, this, you, if you're seriously thinking about becoming a referee, you have to be fully retired from the game." So, uh, for two years while I was still playing, I was f- letting it fester. Is this really what I want to do? Is this really what I want to do? By the by, the time I retired, I was like full speed ahead. This is exactly what I want to do. What kind of referee do you think you're going to be? And and dealing with the personalities in the league that you've seen on the other side and the style that the the way the game the style the I'm NBA calling it travel on everything <laughs> 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 no nah, let me stop I'm joking um not but for real <laughs> no I actually um I surprised myself um because I'm a player right and because I've had interactions with referees you know my entire life I know what upsets me what you know what I'm comfortable with how you know, I I can respect referees who do it do this way, or I don't like it when referees do this. So yes, you can. You know, for me, my style, I've I I, I think I, I'm it benefits me. And let me start that over. I think I will be a pretty good referee because I have an understanding as a player on um, how to um, communicate and not communicate what's effective and not effective. Who are some of the better referees when you were playing? Were I, there don't, anybody, I, I don't know names. No. I just know that different styles. I know that there are certain referees who uh, feel like they are never wrong. And th- those kind of referees irritate the hell out of me. Right. Oh, I know who you're it, talking about. <laughs> <laughs> there are some referees who you can't approach ever. Those referees are, you know. Uh, they put themselves yeah, above the game. Yeah. Like they're the gatekeepers. Yeah. And then, you know, you find those referees who, you know, they they respect you as a person. You know, you're human. I'm human. Okay. You know what? You know, if you come to me respectively, I can give you a, a respectful, uh, respectful uh, answer or response. Um, and then, you know, for me, I know I'm, I'm a passionate basketball player. I know I've had certain reactions to certain calls, certain situations, and in that moment, I react. Right. But I don't mean any disrespect by it to anybody. Of course the not. Players or the players are the, the battle. Yeah. And uh, certain referees, you know, they don't understand that, and they're quick to they react never, to your reaction. They probably never even played high school basketball. <laughs> so I, I've, I, I've actually, you know, ref the managers. Keep the stats. I've actually ref some games this year, and I've, you know, uh, seen those reactions, and I'm like, okay, I don't, I don't, I don't overreact to when they react to certain plays because I, I understand that passion that they have. So I feel like I, I'm a bit a very. Um, Laid back kind of uh, understanding. You, yeah, under, understanding. you understand, and you've seen the game from a different um, exactly. perspective. You've been out there, you played it, you've done it. Look, you understand. You just have a greater understanding. Mm-hmm. I, I did see that somebody had a go to took himself out of the game. Googled mm-hmm. your name and said, "Oh, okay, this guy knows what he's talking about." Oh yeah, so yeah, you, that was you, one of the. Do you have stories. to pull that? Do you have to pull that card out, or no, he no. just pulled it out himself? No, I, I didn't, I didn't pull it out at all. So the story went like this: I made a foul call. And um, I could tell that he was a uh, he was um, a foreigner, and I made a foul call. He was like he was upset at the call. He was like, "What do you know about the game of basketball? Like, <laughs> where did you learn how to what? play basketball?" What? And everybody everybody else on the court knew who I was, so they all looked at him like <laughs> like he was crazy. And I guess you know uh, you know somebody whispered to him, you know right. you know who that is, and he was like uh, he subbed himself out and. Uh, I didn't. I didn't know that's what he was going to do. But I saw him go to his phone, and he, you know, started, you know, <laughs> he, he l- looking through his phone, and he subbed himself back in immediately. 
and came up to me and apologized. He was like, "Okay, Mr. Smush Parker, I'm, I'm sorry, <laughs> right. I, I didn't mean." Put and some every, respect on yeah, my name. And huh? Every and every call since then, and every play after that, he was just giving me. He was just so polite, um, and I and I find that I find that same level of respect, and uh, from coaches also. Right. You know, whenever I go to um, like I I coached a girls' game yesterday. Oh, excuse me, I refereed a girls' game yesterday, and you know uh, when they see me, they they look at me like. Didn't you play? I think I know you from somewhere. And then it's all right. You know what? He played in the NBA. That now is a different level right. of okay. We have an NBA player roughing our game there. It's they feel like they're gonna get that good game. Yeah. They're gonna get the nice clean game and mm-hmm. and whatnot. And anything that you don't do, you can explain from a professional level. Exactly. And you're talking about like rep on the court, rep in the stripes, yeah, uh, stuff like that. Um, you know, just kind of the, the 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 disrespect we talked about it with the last guy that was in here who wasn't an athlete, but he's like, I got to block so many people yawning. So like, you created a Twitter account, right, to, mm-hmm. to stop that because people were impersonating you. Yeah. Um, you know, dealing with the people, like, off the court, um, you're doing a lot of good things, whether it's with kids, with youth, with the apparel, uh, with this next career. Um, blocking it all out from a mental aspect for a guy that's been around, how do you deal with the noise that comes with today's society? It's been tough. Especially with social media now, um, there's a lot of people who can make noise, and it it, uh, it can it can spread. Um, how do I block it out? I just try to I just try not to uh, read it. I just try not to it think about it. Right. Because again, uh, growing up in New York City, you know, playing basketball in the streets, you know, trying to get to a level where not a lot of people can achieve. A lot of people think that you can achieve it. So I've I've always had naysayers in my ear. You know, I've always heard the naysayers saying, "Oh yeah, he's too small. He's too skinny. He's not strong enough. He's not fast enough. He does his handle needs more work. His jumper needs more work." So I've been groomed to although I've been groomed, I don't like it. <laughs> right. It's right. hard. Um I've been groomed, you know, from, you know, young to you know kind of, you know, be able to handle what I'm going through now. Um no, and I've done a, a lot of hard work in this la- in the last three years to kind of, you know, um, rebrand. Yeah, for sure. Myself, because I, you know, I, I got a pretty bad rap, you know, going up against, you know, going head to head against yeah, Kobe yeah, Bryant. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, I, yeah. Not that you know, but we got that in the last two yeah. minutes, and you brought it up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the no. story's been told, yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's water under the bridge, man. There's water, water under, under the bridge, bridge bro. but again. You know, when you Google Smush Parker, that was the first thing that came yeah, up. Right. And then you get trolled still. Yeah, so, um, and I spent 10 years overseas, so I fell off the face of the earth. There was nothing circulating about Smush Parker, but when you Google Smush Parker, the last thing you read about was the head-to-head uh, battles that I had with right. Mr. You know, yeah. Mr. Bryant. So, I, you know, me being home and retired from basketball, I was just trying to rebrand what people, you know, you know, saw Smush Parker as. And what do you, what is that brand then? What do you want people when they hear Smush Parker? What do you want them to think? Um, just, uh, <laughs> talk to me about the rebrand. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wait. How do you see the rebrand shaping or, up? Or, 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 yeah, ultimately it's like, hey, look, when people Google my name now, I want them to know. I'm a humanitarian, I'm a coach, I'm a ref, I'm, I'm what, but what kind of person? Well, I've always felt like I've, I've been a good person, you know, sure. kind-hearted, hard-working. A lot of people don't know the hard work that I had to put in to get to where I've gotten, you know, and to have it, you know, my hard work just erased and not being valued because of one person saying X, Y, and Z about me is uh is, is disheartening, but... um. I have I have a a passion. I've always been passionate about the game of basketball. And now I have a passion about giving back to the kids in the community, which I do through my nonprofit, Smush Inspires. Um, I want people to see, you know, Smush for who I am now, and not you know who somebody has portrayed me to be. You know, um, back in my younger days, you know, I made I made mistakes. I'll take. No yeah, you've owned for, up to that. Yeah. You've apologized. I'll, you've done everything you could do for, yeah. for that. I, young mind, young thoughts, young words. We all make mistakes. Uh, but now I'm, you know, just uh, I'm just a um, a person trying to uh, 
use the platform that God gave me and give back to the kids in the community to have them uh, believe in themselves, to inspire those dreams, for them to have dreams, first of all, and to uh, believe that they can achieve them. I know it's unfortunate that a lot of the kids in our communities growing up here in New York City, they grow up without father figures or, you know, older, you know, positive male role models, you know, they see. Or even things to aspire to. Yeah. <laughs> so so I, I, I use, like I said, I use basketball as a platform to get back into the community through the Boys and Girls Clubs to, you know, kind of give them, you know, uh, that inspir- be that inspiration to them, you know, that I made it out, so can you. Right. That's dope. Yeah. And now the, the referee journey. Right. You know, the, the new, the, my new walk. I mean, the best part of that is that you're paying your dues now, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're doing these girls' games, guys' games. You've been so grinding. You're used col- to right, it, White though. collar basketball, I think I saw too, right? Huh? Like the white collar. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? I do corporate leagues. I corporate do corporate leagues. leagues. Yeah. Two, three games a week. I mean, but, but this also kind of mirrors your career, right? Mm-hmm. Is that where you're going? No, I was going to say, yeah. It goes to everything that you said, you know, to, you know, to – Bring it full. It brings it full circle. You know what I'm saying. You started playing basketball in the streets, and then you played one year in high school, one year at Idaho. You've been going through this adversity. You went to the league. You just talked about that adversity. Then you went traveled around the world for ten years. Now you back. Now it's like this is me, and this is who you're presenting. And I think that's dope. And I wish you the best of luck on your journey. And I'm a best definitely best believe I'm gonna bear witness to it. So, Thanks a lot. So Smush, when people want to put some kind words towards you, where should they go? Uh what like my social media social website, where can uh, uh, they learn about all these things they're doing? Uh well you could see exactly what I'm doing um in the community through my Smush Inspires website is uh smush dash inspires dot org O R G. Um I'm also Smush Inspires on um Instagram. Um, but my main page is Smush Parker Elite on uh, IG and Facebook. You can see everything I'm doing, you know, roughing, you know, kids, uh, community work. I just did, I was just involved in the NBA Cares coat drive yesterday. Um, You can see pictures of that. Um, But, you know, with with social media. How's the league treat you? Uh, Like doing stuff like that? Uh no they 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 use supportive me. They, they're very supportive yeah that's very what's supportive. up that's dope awesome no, as yeah. former players you know um when you can get that support from the leagues that mm-hmm. you play in it makes the transition of life after uh sports oh, yeah, that much definitely. easier if you know exactly what you want to do and obviously you do and you can go right to them and they can help you in those areas yeah, definitely. Well, Smush, we didn't want to talk about that other person, so we're not going to. You brought it up because, like I said, I think there's so many more layers to you than just a, a little slice of the NBA. Uh, and so thank you for spending some time and, and sharing some light, uh, shedding some light. Uh, he's Smush Parker. That's Keith Bullock. I'm Don Povia. Until the next show, take Peace. care. Later. Thanks for having me, KD. <laughs>